And all the people said, Amen. Amen. I am so glad to be here. I've been, I've been out of the pulpit about two months. I had some uh, health problems. Uh, so I've canceled two months of meetings, and this is my first time back in the pulpit. Uh, you're probably blessed. I don't think I can go about 20 minutes. Uh, uh, I, I've, and I know that thrills you to death. I done had one guy come up and tell me after 20 minutes it's over anyway. After 25 years of pastoring, I figured that out. Uh, I'm about good for 20 minutes myself, uh, so I better get started. Turn to the Revelation. Turn to the Revelation. And I want to preach you a message of uh, where has your faith taken you? And, and, I, I, and tonight I'm going, to, I'm going to preach a message on how to increase your faith. So I'm going to set the stage for tonight's service this morning. But I think that uh, it's critical that we spend time in, in the book of Revelation. Now, let me tell you how to get involved in this message. My, uh, I'm, I'm an amen person. I like uh, when the choir's singing, I like to say amen. Hey, I came to worship. I, I go to church to worship. That's what I've done my whole life. I just retired from a church. I was there 40 years. I know you say, well, how can you stay at a church 40 years? I wouldn't leave. Uh, I, <laughs> now, I was asked to leave. I had people tell me, well, they, I, I think that the Lord's through with you here. Well, he never did tell me that. So I retired from the only church that I ever pastored. Uh, but, but my answer when somebody would come and say, look, I think the, uh, you need to leave, I'd say, look, it's easier for you to move your letter than it is for me to move my furniture, amen? So that's pretty much how I responded to that. But uh, God overwhelmingly blessed me and my tenure at a, a church uh, not far from here called Hillcrest. Uh, I had a great opportunity in that church, just uh, loved the Lord. And I've seen several faces here today from Hillcrest, and it's good to, good to see them. Uh, but we've enjoyed the journey. Now, quickly, I want to set the stage. If you'll go to the fourth chapter... Now, when, when you're reading through the Revelation, you've got to remember, when we get to this fourth chapter, we've reached heavenly worship. And this, this fourth chapter scares a lot, of, a lot of Baptists to death. Well, let me tell you something. You, you, can, you can immediately get in a pulpit, or you can come and, and sit in the pew and worship, and you can, you can see the atmosphere of a church. And I praise the Lord, and that's my word. Uh, through all my years of ministry, my word has been atmosphere. You've got to establish an atmosphere. When visitors come in, uh, they're like, man, this is good. I love this choir. This was great music. Uh, uh, Brother Jason, I'm uh, familiar with him. And uh, he, like I said, he sat under me. Now, he got me wrong. I probably won't even holler at you today. Well, that's a lie. I probably will before I get through. But I'm going to contain myself the best that I can. But uh, a few months ago, we was visiting a church. And like I said, I'm an ameniter. I cheer the preacher on. I cheer the singers on. I cheer everybody on. I'm a cheerleader for Jesus. But this church was, it wasn't like you. They wasn't a lot of amens in there. It's kind of quiet. You know, and I don't like quiet churches. I like loud churches. I'm going to tell you, we get to heaven, uh, and those 24 elders uh, in this fourth chapter, when they kneel down to worship Christ, I don't believe it's going to be quiet. I believe, they, I believe we're going to be allowed to shout in heaven. Amen? I'm planning on it. Amen? I, I am looking forward to that. Now, when I say amen, if you say amen, before we leave, everybody get to say amen. Amen? And it'll get good before we leave. We may even be shouting, but I'm, I'm in this church, and it's not the most lively church I've ever been in. And, uh, and I'm sitting by my wife, and usually I'm wide open. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Just, just having myself a good time in worship. Well, I've just sat there probably 10 minutes into the message, and my sweet wife is sitting right here. Well, she punched me. 
And she had written a letter to me, and I looked, and she said, you need to say amen. So, buddy, I, I picked it up from there, amen? And, and it's, uh, but I'm excited. About, look, at, look at the fourth chapter and, and, and get ready because this is where I want us to be so we'll get what. Listen, if, if you're here and you're lost, you're here to get saved. You got that? You may think, well, I'm here with my girlfriend or I'm here because I've always come and I've just made up my mind this ain't for me. If you're here and you're lost, you're here to get saved. And let me tell you something. We're living in a time in this world you need to know Jesus. This world's in a mess. Hey, America's in a mess. And we need to be closer to the Lord than we've ever been as Christians because this world needs rescuing from, from a very perishing generation of people. But in the fourth chapter, the first two verses, it said, And this, and, and the, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter now. In, in, in verse 2, uh, this is the shouting part. It said, and immediately I was in the Spirit. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you got up this morning, or one day last week you got up and you thought, he may come today? You thought, the, he may come today. Every time there's an earthquake, I go to Matthew chapter 24 where it talks about the earthquakes in divers places and how, how often they're going to come. And every time, every time they come on the news and they talk about another earthquake, I can't help but think about uh, Matthew chapter 24. Turn there real quick and let me just, let me just read you something and set the stage for my message. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, uh, I'm, I'm going to read uh, verse 6. If you're there, say amen. Well, half of you is there. I'll give you just another minute. Matthew chapter 24, uh, look at verse 6. Here we are. And, and, and you shall hear of, of wars and rumors of wars with Iran and Iraq and, uh, and you know, with, in that Middle East. And uh, see that ye uh, be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. And look at verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. And notice verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, for 15, close to 20 years now, we've been right in the middle of this, of this, of, of Christ's saying right here. We have been trapped in these wars, these rumors of wars. We're seeing earthquakes in diverse places. We're seeing uh, diseases like we've never seen before. We're experiencing the end of time. I, listen, uh, uh, during this illness that I had, I could have died. And I'm just thank the Lord I didn't. I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to die, but I ain't ready to die. Does that make sense? I, I want to see my, all my grandkids graduate from college uh, and get out. And I can't wait till they all get a job and they can take me to the beach. I've been taking them all my life. I can't wait till they say, Poppy, we got a five-bedroom house rented at the beach. We want to take you down there. Can you imagine that? I'm going to go. That'll be fun, amen? But when you, when you think about the revelation, and, when, and, and I'm actually going to go to verse 7, uh, but the, 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 uh, the salutation, and you know what a salutation is. It's a greeting or it's an acknowledgement of somebody uh, that, that is here or somebody that's fixing to leave. 
And you know, when you, when you, when you read the Revelation, Jesus has been here. He died on the cross. He has, he has risen. He has ascended. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's interceding for you and I. And, and, and let me tell you something. I, I believe even during this service, I ask you the question, when was the last time or when was the first time you thought the thought he may come today? I'm telling you now, he's fixing to come. And we need to get ready. We live in a world that's not ready for the coming of Christ. And it, it's, going to be, it's going to be devastated. I, uh, the church that I, that I pastored, we, borrowed, uh, we built a lot during my 25 years. I never did mind borrowing money for Jesus. That just didn't bother me. We built a worship center. We borrowed $2 million. Of course, we were challenged. Then we built some educational space. Finally, we had borrowed about $7 million. And, you know, we had some, we had some financial experts that was panicking. It didn't bother me. Guess what? When he comes, guess what we're going to do with that payment book? Hey, if you're 70 years old and you want a new car, go buy it. You probably won't even have to pay for it. Amen? I'm, I'm leaving my payment book here. If somebody else can have it, they can have a house, they can have all my bills. Hey, I'm going to glory. Amen? So drive a nice fancy car. Who cares? Just and you say, well, I'm on this fixed income. Boy, that ain't all it's cracked up to be, is it? That was a shocker for me and my honey. I promise you that. But when you when you see the, the salutation, it's a greeting or an acknowledgement of somebody that, that, is, that has left or somebody that's coming back. So then you look at the five books that John wrote. You know, when he wrote the Gospel of John, we're talking salvation. And then when he wrote those, those three epistles, we're talking justification. You know what justification is? It's teaching us how to be Christians. We're justified, listen, we're justified by the investment we put into our Christianity. Our faith is as real as we will allow it to be. Amen? And we need to work it at really proving our faith to a lost and dying world. And listen, this church is almost filled to capacity. I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you, Pastor, you need to go to two services. That'll kill him, won't it? I've been there and done that. I did that six years. They like to kill me. So we just built a church big enough to hold everybody. And I thank the Lord for that. But, but then, when he wrote the Revelation. Now, now I, I want you to look at that person next to you and say, I'm sanctified. That makes me holy. Go ahead. Boy, some of you just sit there. You ain't going to ever agree with the preacher, are you? Listen, when, when you think of sanctification, that, that, that's the holiness that comes through our salvation. But then, when you get to the revelation, guess what you got? It's the glorification. Y'all just sit there. I've shouted up for all of us. Amen. When, when, you, when you see the reality of that and how real it is, but in, in the Revelation, you can read the verses when you get home. You can read through the salutation. For the sake of time, I want to, I want to go uh, to the seventh verse. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and this, this is what's good. I mean, you you shout while I'm reading the verse if you want to. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth uh, shall well because of him. Even so, amen. Of all the things that said from this pulpit today, you can be sure of this. He's coming. I'm telling you, he's coming. If you agree with me, say amen. 
I'm telling you, he's coming in 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 a First Corinthians chapter fifteen. Turn there quickly. And I, I, I love this passage of scripture. Uh, First Corinthians, not far from the Revelation. Just back up. Behold, Paul said, "Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye." But I love the way Paul taunts uh, the the reality of death here. Uh, drop, drop down to verse fifty-five. And, and this, this to me is exciting. He said, hey, hey, oh, death, where's thy sting? Hey, grave, where's your victory now? Every time I do a funeral, and I know that person is a saint of God, I can, I can shout through a funeral, amen? If I know they're saved, listen, the, the Bible said, I wouldn't have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which have fallen asleep, that you sorrow not even as others that have no hope. And then when, when, you, when you see that scripture, when you see the reality of that scripture, he said, for the Lord himself, and this is First Thessalonians chapter 5, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, uh, and, and with the trump of God. And it said, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then listen to this. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Hey, hey, he said, comfort one another with these words. I'm comforted by the reality when Jesus comes, when that shout takes place, I'm comforted by the reality of knowing I'm going to glory. I'm going to be raptured out of this world. And I think it could be today. Amen? I love it when you clap. I've got so old that gives me a chance to get my breath. So thank you for that. But then when you see this, I want to ask you a question. How prepared are you today for the rapture of the church? Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, quickly. And I know I should have called and got all this on the screen. I'm, I'm running you to death in the Bible. But this, this is the reality of, I love your pastor. He's a man of God. You're very blessed. And, and, and the, 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 the consequences of his pastoring here shows up today. This church, usually when the pastor's gone, people don't come. I'm glad you're faithful. You don't worship a man. You worship God. And I praise the Lord for that today. But he is a great man of God. And through the time that he's been here, uh, we've sat and had some meals together and fellowship. Uh, and I don't know why he waited so long to get me come and preach here. Uh, you may want to question him on that when he gets back and, and tell him how much you fell in love with me and he needs to have me back quick. Amen? But when, when you see this verse, uh, there, there is the test of prophets because we're going to the revelation for the real prophecy that tells us, hey, Jesus is coming back. But, but I want you to notice the setting that Christ placed before us today. Uh, if you just go to verse 21, and it said, now, uh, the, it's talking about the fruits. And it's talking about this church. It's, it's the vineyard. And we're doing a vine inspection. We're looking at the fruit that is on the tree. Now, you've got a lot of so-called Christians on role in our churches today. The church that I pastored when I retired, we had 4,700 members. And the, the Sunday uh, that I announced my retirement, I gave a six-month announcement. And the Sunday that I gave that announcement, I think there was 1,029 people in Sunday school that day, probably 1,500, 1,600 there for worship out of 4,700 people. Now, I'm standing there thinking, I'm retiring in six months. Where's the other 3,000 members? 
And, and, you know, you probably, I think you've got 1,200 members here uh, in your uh, resident membership, and there's 800 and something uh, that, are, that are probably here uh, once a month going through the church. But when you read this passage of Scripture, uh, I want you to notice this because this is a reality of what, listen, my faith has taught me to be faithful. Amen? That, that's what faith is about. It teaches us to be faithful. Now, I've made changes in my life. I've been retired over two years. The wife and I are uh, we're visiting, looking for churches. We've been here, and we're asking God to give us direction as we go. Uh, but, but when I think about the faithfulness, that's what matters. But in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in me. Do you know what God God's will is. It's for us to love him in Jesus' name. And it's for us to do what the, the kingdom commandment that was given to us is what? Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Our churches are built to teach the nations, to teach the people in the city of Oxford, to teach Calhoun County. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And then what did it say? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then I love the promise that we get. Listen, we need the fuel of church in our life. We need the energy that comes from this great singing, from this pulpit, from these pews, from the amens in these pews. We need that energy to go out into a lost and dying world and tell people, hey, I serve a risen Savior. I serve a Jesus that died on the cross for me. I serve a Lord that loved me, and he's coming back to get me. Amen? That's the greatest story ever told today. Amen? I'm going to sling this microphone all the way across the church. I've got a, I got a hearing aid, glasses, and a microphone. I don't know which one's going to come out first. Amen? But when, when you see the, look at, look at verse 22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Kind of like saying, I joined your church. Now, I never did go, but I joined. I got, name, I got my name on the road, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name I've done many wonderful works. Look at this next verse. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Now, what in the world does he mean? Let me tell you what he means. When we really get saved, we really get saved. How many of you remember when you got saved? Hold up your hand. Well, let me ask you another question. Did your life change? Did it change your life forever? See, that's salvation. And when it's real, your life changes. When, when that Holy Spirit comes into our life, there's an indwelling of holiness, an indwelling of godliness. And we, listen, I was a little boy when I got saved, a little boy. I've never gotten over it. I've never gotten over it. I've never doubted. I've never been frustrated. I just never have got over getting saved. Amen? Every day with me, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen? Thank you. Listen, when he said this, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that work iniquity. And when he said that, that is the reality of where we are. Now, I want to ask you a question. Is your baptism in order? Do you, do you realize the scripture pertaining to baptism? A lot of people, I don't think, uh, and you may want to turn to Romans, the sixth chapter. 
I think we need to document this. There's a lot of people uh, that, that uh, had, had thought they were saved and they got saved and they say, well, I haven't been baptized. Hey, hey, we need to get our baptism in order. It needs to be in order scripturally. In, in Romans chapter 6, it gives us explicit instructions on how we are to follow Christ in believer's baptism. Uh, verse 1, if you're there, say amen. Boy, you're getting quicker. What, what, uh, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hey, when I got saved, I followed Christ in believer's baptism. And let me, let me show you the reality of the instructions of this. God forbid... How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, for we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, which shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Look at this. When you baptize somebody, they're buried in the likeness of his death. If you hold them under, they're going to die. But you're buried. that's burying those sins. Isn't that exciting? Say Amen. But then, when you raise them out of that water, buried in the likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life with him. Well, glory to God. Amen? That's the joy of baptism. So, we're buried in the likeness of his death. We're raised to walk in newness of life with him. When you come out of that water, there's salvation, there's sanctification, there's glorification, there's the reality of eternal security, there's the joy of knowing Jesus died for me, he arose. When I die, I'm going to heaven. Amen and amen and amen. In the Revelation, when you see the Scripture, I ask a guy, uh, you know what I've loved about being retired? You know, you think when you get retired, they stick you on the shelf. I pray, God, I prayed. Uh, I just want to preach. I don't want to referee no more. That big old church I was in, boy, howdy. It's all kind of stuff, and everybody won't see the preacher. Well, you know... They, they was people that didn't like me, but I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't crazy about them. And they wanted to see you more than anybody else. Come in griping. And you, I know none of you are like that. I can tell by the atmosphere of this church. Well, we've all got some of them. How many of you know somebody that's grumpy? Oh, y'all just sit there. Look at you. You bunch of holy rollers, I'm telling you. I love ministry. But when I, when I retired, I said, Lord, just every once in a while, just let me preach. And I'm booked all the way into October. I get to holler at people all the time. I've got a revival book. I'm scared to death about that. I'm worried about getting back tonight, to tell you the truth. I'm wore out right now. But when, when you think about how real he is, first week in May, I got a phone call. And this is how real God is. I got a phone call, and uh, they, they, uh, and it was a dear friend of mine from Hillcrest. He was calling for a, uh, a brother-in-law, and, and he called out the name, and, and I remembered the name. I worked with him. I worked at Lee Brass 20 years. So I, I, sat, I sat in those pews and listened to those boring messages and those long-winded preachers just as much as you have. Amen.
and it's hard to amen them. Amen? Yeah, y'all just sat there. I don't blame you one bit for that statement. But, but they said, look, called out his name and said he's dying with cancer. And, and I, when, when I was at, at Lee Brass, I was a, a lab technician. I analyzed the metal, and, and, and it was in, attached to the first aid department. And this guy came in. Now, this is over 40 years ago. But this happened May of this year. Uh, the phone rang. I answered the phone. He's dying uh, with cancer. And I had taken him to RMC. He had, he had messed up a hand. And I took him to RMC. But, of course, if you get in the car with me, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. I mean, I, he's riding with us, so you might as well know he's in the car with us. So, so on the way up there, and after we got up there, and I'm sitting in the, in the waiting room with him, and I'm sharing the gospel with him. I'm, man, I'm thinking get my hand cut off. I want to know Jesus. Amen? So, so I shared the gospel with him. Of course, he wouldn't pray with me then. Uh, but 40, over 40 years later, 40 years, listen, when, when, you, when you go out and tell somebody about Jesus, and I used to get frustrated. I'd go and I'd pour, I'd pour Romans out. I'd, I'd pour that road, that road out as plain as I could. And they wouldn't pray with me. I'd leave so frustrated. I wouldn't know. Why, why don't they want to get saved? What's wrong with people? And I'd get in the car and I'd drive away defeated. And I got in the car one day and I'd share the gospel. And the woman started crying. She was under conviction. And the husband said, let me tell you something. We're not having that in this house. It'll mess up our lifestyle. And I got so mad at him. I got in an argument with a man because he wouldn't let his wife get saved. And, and they asked me to leave the house. I never would get my team with me. They never had been out on outreach before. And they didn't know I was going to get them in a fight. So they got me by the arm and said, Brother Rick, come on. We need to get out of here. And I went out and got in the car and I felt so defeated. Well, about two days later, I'm just reading the Bible and studying, and the Holy Spirit said, who do you think you are? And I'm like, does the Lord ever speak to you? He will if you'll read this. Amen? That, the Holy Spirit said, who do you think you are? He said, you go and tell. I'll do the rest. And guess what happened? When, when, I, when I would share the gospel, they wouldn't pray but I'd leave that house instead of being defeated. Guess who stayed there? Did you get that? The Holy Spirit. He went in there with me. I shared him with these lost people. I'll leave the house because it's time to go. He stays there. They go to bed at night. And guess what? Forty-something years later, the Holy Spirit spoke to this man dying with cancer. I go to UAB, I drive over there, and, and, I, and I go to, I still remember the room number in the Spain Wallace building, S814. I remember walking into that room, now he's old. I'm getting old, but boy, Heidi, he done got real old. And I walked into the room, and when I did, the wife and two of the granddaughters walked out of the room. And I asked him this question. Are you ready to meet the Lord? You say, well, do you need to do that with somebody that's dying? I think so. Amen? 
So I, I, I asked him the question, are you ready to meet the Lord? You know what he said? He said, I hope so. For me, that's not a good answer. Folks, sitting, as you sit in this worship center today, you need to know that you know that you know where you're going to spend eternity. And I told him, I said, man, don't you take your last breath just on hope. You take your last breath on reality. And I said, do you want to pray with me a prayer that's of real assurance to know that you know Jesus is your personal Savior? He turned over there at me. Big old tears are running down his face. He said, I sure do. So I took him by the hand, and I led him through a sinner's prayer. He repeated it after me. That wife and granddaughter walked back in the room. Tears running down his face. He said, I'm ready to meet Jesus. Well, I got a call the next week. He went to be with the Lord. I did his funeral. You know what I shared at the funeral? What I just shared with you. Folks, we need to know that we know that we know. And when I, when I begin preaching this message, I ask you the question, do you know Jesus? If you don't, you need to. One, one, more, one more holy point, and I'm through. I witnessed to a brother-in-law for 45 years. He wouldn't pray with me. He'd get mad at me when I prayed in Cracker Barrel, my, my wife's precious brother. In, in 45 years, I, I, I tried to tell him about Jesus. My brother-in-law's pastor at Mount Vine. Both of us would share the gospel with him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't give an inch. Most stubborn human being I'd ever met. 45 years. But, but I kept sharing the gospel, kept praying, kept asking the Lord to deal with him. He had a heart attack, a massive heart attack. He's in ICU at, at, uh, uh, in Carrollton, Georgia. We went over there to see him, went over there to visit him. Forty-five years later, we walked, we walked into ICU, and he's laying in there in the bed. We got ready to go, couldn't stay but a minute. We got ready to go. He reached his hand out, wanted me to have prayer with him. First time, 45 years, I took him by the hand. I prayed for healing. I prayed for God to touch his body. And, and we left. And I told Janice, I said, listen, he's never done that. Well, I waited a couple of months, and I'm, I'm, don't you love when the Holy Spirit tells you to do something? I, I love it better when you do it, amen? But I, I uh, uh, a couple of months later, I'm sitting in my office at the church, the Holy Spirit said, go see your brother-in-law. So I drove to Bremen, Georgia. He and his wife are there. I walked in 45 years later. I shared the gospel with him. Told him, I said, man, you need to know Jesus. You, you could have died from that heart attack. He raised his head. Big old tears. I said, don't you want to ask Jesus to come into your life? He shook his head. We prayed, and he asked Jesus. Now, this was four years ago this past March. This was 2015. We prayed, and he asked Jesus to come into his life. See, that's the reality of where we are. How many of you know a lost person? You know somebody that's lost? Hold up your hand. 
Here's the invitation. It's uh, 1127, maybe 1128. We give the invitation. Now, this works. I, I did this at my church a lot. When we give the invitation, I want you to come and pray for them. If we know somebody's lost and they need to be saved, the Lord's probably telling us, well, you go tell them. Now, here's what works. We give this invitation. If you raise your hand and you're concerned about this soul, I want you to just come to the altar. And I want you to pray for them. And I want you to go home and call them. You say, that'll make them mad. Who cares? You're going to make them mad because you love them and you pray for them and you want the Lord to save them. And I pray they'll be offended by the presence of the Lord since you prayed for them. But you go home, you call them, you say, hey, at 11.30 today, I prayed for you because I love you and you need to be saved. Amen? And amen. Bow your heads with me. Bow your heads with me. Is there anybody here?